you're listening to the Green Man Podcast. I think I'm Podlad yet, Green Man. You're listening to the Green Man Podcast. Welcome to the Green Man Podcast. Hi, Enu V. Eukath Ashil, I'm an artist and Sindodo Abertawen Gradiol, welcome to our Croiso e Podcast Green Man. I'm Catherine Ashill. I'm a visual artist originally from uh, the Swansea Valleys, now living on Barry Island, and you're listening to the Green Man podcast. Hello, Cathy Boyce, do you know what Credigol? Seeing am going to get a project. Um, Hiya, I'm Cathy Boyce, I'm a creative producer, and I'm supporting Cath Ashill's commission for this year's Green Man. Right, well, gosh, what uh, we've been talking all week, Cath, and. Uh, no. <laughs> Shared a tent for eight days, which is hardcore um, support. It seems like this has been an amazing um, opportunity for you. This was almost like a residency, yeah. um, because as a, a, a really busy mother of two children, it's really hard for you to find time to think about your work. Um, so to make work and to have space and time to think about it has been fantastic for you this week. Yeah, yeah, very much like because to be on site and to have that um, the support of the crew at Green Man and kind of be part of that actual on-site build process and to see the like machinery and the operational side of bringing such like beautiful things to not that I'm saying that my work's necessarily beautiful <laughs> but you know seeing that side is a real privilege and you get space then to kind of the lead into making um, my work in Smoke City has been pretty intense so to actually be on this side of it and to see it kind of on site and in situ and then also to do a performance practice on top it has very much felt like a residency so in Smoke City um, it was kind of like locally known as Gunsmoke City, but actually originally called Gunsmoke Town. Um, was a kind of folly um, a day visit place built by um, local Valley's men at Seven Sisters. One of the patriarchs of a family, local family there, loved John Wayne and basically took that obsession to the um, extreme and built a cowboy town. And they dressed uh, and dressed and welcomed visitors as cowboys and did really intense shootouts at high noon, uh, really performative, but in a really Welsh context as well with like their valley accents and like not necessarily like kind of acting. So it, it brings up everything I love in my practice in terms of amateurism, passion, that kind of intense obsessions and uh, intense obsessions playing out. Um, and then in the backdrop of that as well, there's um, um, my kind of interest in drag and drag as a way of exploring my queer identity and my experiences of being othered in many ways. And can you tell us a bit about what it looks like in the woods for our, what it, uh, yeah. what the setup is? Uh, I'm very obsessed with theme parks. So um, I love that kind of intense visitor experience and uh, being ushered through spaces um, with a narrative. Uh, so, uh, and then I also I'm very interested in the aesthetics of theatre sets particularly amateur theatre sets as well. So it is a painted cowboy town archway and then two kind of 
really anthropomorphic cacti <laughs> flanking either side <laughs> with a film in the middle. Um, <clears throat> so I'm very much thinking about the idea of theatre and the wood space and the fact that um, uh, on the Greenland site there's uh, a forest that has like Christmas trees but it's ended up looking like a really Americana kind of landscape. Um, and then either side of that then are kind of uh, paintings um, that are kind of mood boards really for the references I was going for. So there's a painting of the Milky Bar Kid and then uh, paintings of Ditexas. Um, uh, Ditexas, he was a, a Welsh language cowboy in <laughs> Super Ted. Uh, then shout out Gymraeg fel hyn, gyda Akin Americanaidd. Bo'n an rydyn ni'n ddod o'r un fi, bo'n an Americanwyr, a then cowboy Gymraeg. So yeah, those kind of like in betweenness of like you know that kind of Welsh male national identity that I'm really passionate about in a cowboy context. And what's been amazing of the last two nights that you've done the live performance because there's lots of um, uh, line dancing routines in the in the film in the installation and what we didn't um, anticipate that people were were joining in and trying to get the moves in the film. It's been quite an interactive work that we didn't expect. Absolutely, and that's been the joy of it being on a festival location, I think, as well, that people are up for participation in a way that I might not get in a gallery context, and I would never have factored in. Currently on TikTok, there's a big uh, line dancing revival, and especially in America, um, like, re like really young kind of teenagers are bringing back um, a real formation dance revival to any um, a crop, but to any genre of music. So the the split scene, there's a split scene in the film work where <clears throat> I'm duetting with myself as I'm doing a TikTok duet, and I think because of that signal, and that people are used to putting the phone down, trying the TikTok dance. I think that's like it's it, it's giving a signifier to people to have a go as well. Um, and I like celebrating wonkiness because I'm really dyspraxic and I'm really plus size. So to try and get my leg up for the like kind of like jig that's needed for the five, six, seven, eight um, TikTok routine is really cumbersome. So I'm hoping that people feel comfortable then to access moving in that way because I'm not comfortable moving, you know. And, and so your last two, your two other, uh, your two previous works also with a film and some element of set. Do you feel like it is a kind of trilogy or do you see them as yeah, separate works? I do see them as, uh, uh, there's a lead in. So I, I made a cave in 2021 for Glyn Vivian Art Gallery in Swansea. Um, and that was based on my father's mining heritage. Um, he, he was a surface miner in the, uh, a similar area to Seven Sisters actually, the Swansea Valleys. Um, like uh, Estragon Lice Way and surface miners don't go as deep as um, uh, uh, kind of uh, coal mining, like the deeper stuff is the stuff at the surface and uh, um, that very much, yeah, again was about um, accessing my complex Welsh heritage and it's complex for numerous reasons. Um, my mother's family's Jewish, I uh, moved to Swansea because it was the first synagogue in Wales. Um, but I'm Cymru Cymraeg and have been brought up in a very Welsh-speaking community. Um, and then my relationship to maleness. Always thinking that the male, the Welsh male voice choir was for me. Always thinking I should be there and my range is there. 
that is exactly the pitch that I enjoy singing at. And um, I often don't occur that through gender, oh, well, sex, sorry, that I'm not, inher- I'm not inherently going to be part of that. And it's only kind of like in the last maybe decade that I've started realising, oh, I'm not part of that. So um, I then did a show at G39 called Principal Boy, which featured a giant skull. Um, and it was meant to be Skull Rock, and that also framed a film. And that was very much, uh, it was called Principal Boy. And that was very much about me realising that I wasn't going to be the lost boys in Peter Pan. I would have had to be telling stories like Wendy and Mending Shadows, where where I always, in picturing those stories, imagined I was in the Rough and Temple of the Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah. And I think another thing that's been joyful for you is um, working with Eugene on the on the score yeah. and having Eugene as, um, to play live with you. Um. Yeah, and as a, uh, as a wing buddy to um, explore where I would like to take the, the sound work. And that came from maybe understanding maybe that I was at a musical festival, so that was a new push and a new direction, but knowing that I wouldn't be able to rely on spoken word narrative necessarily in the same way that I normally would do my other works, and trying to find another way of, of, of mitigating that so that it would still be useful to be seen and that maybe the audience at Green Man and beyond could access the narrative without having to have that like literal um, there's text laced throughout the film um, and only snippets of text. I'm very dyslexic myself, so I kind of really struggle sometimes with captioned work. So I was trying to factor that in, in the making, but it's all, it was also important to me that it was bilingual. So it goes in and out of, uh, I remember the splinters, doing Caviar Cowboys and Nate Hinn, so that, that's an exploration of how I operate between English and Welsh language in a very Wenglish way, which is really part of the dialect of my, the flitting in and out of both languages, yeah, which as is though like, it's one hmm. in our our neck of the woods. Yeah, you know, and that's, the kind of code switching in the gender you're doing as well is like the yeah, going back and forth Yeah, and things. not belonging to anything properly. Mm. Um, but yeah, with Eugene, we, we've been wanting, we used to sing a lot together, uh, probably about 10 years ago. Before I had babies, so my range and my pitch was a lot better and my balls hadn't dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, my my range now is, like, way lower. I knew, like, Eugene has, is really skilled with country and is really interested maybe in the, in pursuing the idea maybe of, like, Welsh language country or Welsh, Welsh identity and country. Like, I knew that that... Uh, with a folk background as well that was an, a deep rooted interest so I couldn't think of anyone else better to work through what sounds I was trying to pitch and I think even more so after the pandemic that way of being able to share opportunities share the wealth and share a practice has been vital yeah we've had enormous support from the team here um, yeah Lexi who's the uh, the commissioning uh, the commissioner for the Green Man Trust has been 
fantastic and uh, I know you've had you've been really appreciative of the crew she's put together to put the installation up and to and uh, I'm really super grateful for Lexi um, in the horrible winds of Friday night to be um, get out with the uh, cable ties. <laughs> we were in the bar, but Lexi was out with the cable ties. So thank you very and much, Lexi, and for that. Um, and I've really enjoyed the lovely relationship that's developed over a period of years. For someone to take interest in your work is a real honour, but then to stick with you as you're flailing around <laughs> um, and to support to you in that and Lexi's really good at understanding yeah really grateful for the opportunity and honoured Dioghri man yeah Dioghri man Hi, this is Peggy from the Green Man Podcast, and I'm here with the lovely Lexi. Hello. So I'm Lexi. My official title at Green Man is visual arts producer. It's quite a varied role. So outside of Green Man, I do a lot of um, a mixture of work, really, either producing, production managing, site managing, um, and I also coach artists as well with a special focus on artists who are neurodiverse or um, have various different disabilities. And this role kind of brings all of that into one. So um, I contribute a lot to uh, working with Joe at the Trust in terms of raising money to make it happen. Um, and then I uh, work with the artists to help them kind of make that step change from um, maybe making work for a gallery to making work outside. And then I production manage the build um, and put crews together to help them do that uh, and then look after it over the weekend. Got a big task on your hands there. How um, how do you go about finding the acts and artists that you actually want to have on at Green Man? Where do you kind of find your roster or your passions that you want to throw at the festival? So the visual art programme at Green Man has always been a bit of a kind of mission to change things for me. So I found, I've been working in festivals for 15 years or so and really felt like I'd found my people, didn't really fit into any of the other art forms, though I studied fine art and I'm an artist myself. Um, and so I found my people but they didn't really get what art was. Um, so I decided that I would uh, find a way to change kind of the art offer at festivals. Um, I felt like there was world-class poetry, world-class music, but the art offer was often quite weak. Um, there was lots of amazing civic design, so in site designs and, you know, um, stage frontages and all of that was fantastic, but the things being offered as art were more in the kind of decorative kind of area. Um, and I really wanted um, gallery artists uh, with a sort of established sort of serious practice as artists to consider this a space where they could put their work in front of audiences. So that was about, so this is the eighth year of the programme um, and in order to do that we um, we work, we have a big network of people within Wales who give us recommendations of people we should meet, people we should have studio visits with um, and during the pandemic we were able to pivot our grant and we did lots of one-to-ones with artists um, and Catherine and Chintzia were both artists that we met through that process so there's been quite a long conversation with them over like a couple of years about um, you know would they like to do something at Green Man you know is there an opportunity for them in the audience here or the context um, the brief is very open so we don't have a theme or anything like that it's basically just this kind of um, world within a world that Green Man is kind of here on what for the rest of the year is just Glanusk Estate. So very much kind of working with artists who are based in Wales, organisations based in Wales, um, they let us know like who do they think is really up and coming, who's really deserving, who would really like make 
the most of an opportunity like this in the kind of way the two artists have this year. Definitely, and I think you kind of touched on it, that Green Man is so diverse. There's, even in the way it's laid out, there's so many different areas of the festival. So what kind of areas do the arts kind of own in the festival? So um, in terms of visual arts, which is the area that I specifically look after, that's um, in the woods and down by the pond. And we've used those two spaces consistently like since the beginning of the programme now. Um, there is a fantastic performance programmer called Zoe, who looks after various other kind of stages. and you know we chat we've got a bit of an awareness of what each other are doing but they're quite separate things within the visual art program there seems to be more kind of like live art performance art which is kind of different to the kind of performance that zoe programs and much more in the kind of visual art kind of uh, sphere um, I was in the woods watching Catherine's performance the other night and somebody behind me was kind of going, oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? I don't know what's going on. Oh my God, I think we're watching fine art. I think that's it. I think we're watching fine art, which was just hilarious. Um, I like that reaction. I think the thing about art is it provokes so many different reactions. It's not like just watching a band, which is exciting. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, so, so they're the kind of little areas that I work in and sort of more and more we're sort of thinking about how we, we keep working with artists who have a performance practice and it sort of makes sense for them to collaborate with musical artists and kind of create a kind of live moment alongside their work. Um, a majority of the work that we program is, um, uh, has some element of light or projection in it. So that's either film, illuminated elements. Um, it's very much a nighttime program. Uh, kind of like a quiet space for reflection um, and chats over a nice glass of beer, you know. I, I think. think we're now at Sunday and you can probably hear in my voice, I need to go and find that place of relaxation. <laughs> so Green Man, what has kind of been your highlight of the festival? I think my highlight of the festival has been kind of seeing both artists make that step change to making their first outdoor artwork. Um, which is completely new for both of their portfolios and has been challenging in different ways to both artists. Um, I think one of the most exciting things about the programme is that um, we support people through that through that step to get to a, to a work that um, they maybe wouldn't have made otherwise. Um, and I think from a developmental perspective, both of the artists are in very different positions with their practice um, and have very different practices. And I feel like, um, I feel like it's been beneficial for them both in different ways, which always makes us really happy. Well, it feels like it's been another very successful year at Green Man. I'm sure it has for you as well. Um, but I will let you go and get on with the rest of the day. What do you have finally to do? Is there still a million things going on on this? It's a Sunday, by the way. It this is, is the end. <laughs> We're tired. It is Sunday. I have to go and meet uh, one of our kind of like kind of VIP funder type people, have a chat with them. Um, and then go and meet with our fantastic photographer called Anna Arco, who comes every year um, to document the work because it's quite challenging with the different light levels with projections. Um, and we're going to retake a few images because once the work comes down, it's never going to exist again. So it was only in this weekend, in this time and place, that it was quite like that. So I'm going to try and capture the last bits of that and meet up with some of the other... Uh, every year, the artists from who've been involved in the programme tend to come back. Uh, we invite them back to be part of the community that we're growing. Um, so we're going to go meet and have a bit of a Sunday drink with them and 
Oh, have a, chat. a well-earned drink. Also, I like the idea that it is quite exclusive. You've got to be here to see it. I would add, though, I mean, it's a slightly time-based thing, but for the first time, um, we have a work that's going on to being shown in Wales more widely. So um, Catherine has a relationship with GS Artists, with Jane Simpson, who's here at the festival, um, and Gunsmoke City is going to be reconfigured for GS Artists in um, mid-October in Swansea. So um, there is a way, if you can't afford to come to Green Man, there is a way to go and see it and Another, in another place, in another format. And we hope to do more of that kind of thing um, in the future. Great, watch this space. Um, well, thank you so much. I will let you get off to the end of the day and finally a drink. Finally a drink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you and catch you next year. I'm Jason Solomons, curator and host of the Cinedrome. I've just got off uh, from my final guest of the Cinedrome programme, Sunday afternoon. Uh, I am delighted to be joined backstage by Carol Morley. We've just introduced your film typist, artist, Pirate King, which you've given to us here at the festival. Uh, quite a sneaky preview. It's not out till when, November? Uh, November the 3rd. Uh, we're doing lots of previews for the film, and I I'm loving doing them and getting that contact with people in the audience. It's just fantastic. It, what, is, there, is that a particular strategy? you have for this film in particular? I know all your films, they, they have their own life and their own of course. journey. I, well, I, I wonder if it is a, um, a way of really getting your film heard, because it's really hard to get publicity and advertising budgets. So you really have to look, as an independent filmmaker, you have to look at ways that an audience is going to know about your film and want to see it in the cinema, because that's primarily where, mm -hmm. at first, certainly you want people to see it. So I think, it, I don't know if it's everybody's strategy, it's going to be mine from now on, though. And we have done it for, for other films where I've met the audience, but I've never had badges. Badges, you've gone viral with your badge campaign. <sighs> yeah. They are strewn around the festival. Yes. Most people are kind of going, what's that bad? Yes, what yeah. it, it really worked. Yeah. Uh, is, it worked. Well, what is Typist Artist Pirate King? Well, Typist Artist Pirate King is my latest film about Audrey Amis, who uh, was born in the 30s in Sunderland. Uh, she were, had a breakdown in the 50s when she was studying art at the Royal Academy. And she, she was studying painting. And she essentially lived her life as a revolving door psychiatric patient. Anyway, it's a portrait of her. And it's a celebration of her life, her art, her as a person. It's a road trip. <laughs> and, uh, but typist artist Pirate King, she gave me the title, even though she's dead. How did and, she do that? Well, and you spoke about it being a ghost story. Well, I, I, I was lucky enough to go to Welcome for this screenwriting fellowship and look at her, her archive, which they had, and in her old passport, she'd, uh, where you used to have to put your occupation, she'd written Typist Artist Pirate King. And what I loved, I loved it, but what I also loved is she was very playful with her own identity. And I feel like in modern times, everyone's, you know, our conversations are, are around identity nowadays. And, you know, so it's like we have been going, are you a typist, an artist, a pirate king? I certainly many days feel like a typist. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, rarely a king, but sometimes. Uh, so anyway, so that's the title of the film, and the film does explore the many different facets of Audrey, who, although she was a mental health patient, was very resistant to that for much of her life and called herself a mental health uh, survivor. And she was funny and erudite and uh, um, lived until nearly 80 and had a very, very fascinating life, which she documented in her diary. How important was it for you, having done this film from the Wellcome Trust? So you, you approach it, I, I suppose, with a scientific scientific uh, leaning in some way because your film isn't it doesn't glamorize mental health it doesn't terrorize mental health it doesn't overact mental health Monica yeah. Donan's performance not like you know like a like a classic sort of performance of, of disability on screen how did you get so empathetic 
with what the ailments or the the the, the, the uh, I, I don't even know what they're not disabilities that Audrey had. Well, she we was are not... we are all a cluster of things. All of us are a cluster of things, and the, the way we perceive our, the world is different than someone else. The way we inhabit the world, the way we might be diagnosed, um, and, you know. So I feel, to me, the the way in was to to not be so. Um, so sort of hung up on what the diagnosis was or is or could be to anybody, uh, especially Audrey, who who was in you know in her early twenties diagnosed with par paranoid schizophrenia, uh, but then then you know uh, sort of you know protested that. But it was more about here I have all her diaries, you know so many letters she wrote to her sister. Who was this person? And let me create a person, a, a, a create a portrait of a person in a very very rounded way. So of course her life was. Uh, sculpted by her association with the mental health world but it also there were so many other things so when I went into the diaries here was somebody that people actually did cross the road to avoid because she was a bag lady carrying a lot of bags sometimes signs uh, but she would cross the you know they would cross the road to avoid her she would mutter to herself but then when you read the diary she was going home she was watching Kurosawa films she was listening to Blondie uh, she was you know writing about the sex pistols in her diaries she likened herself to Don Quixote. She had a friend who was in Broadmoor. Uh, she had this really rich, not just an inner life, an outer life too, but you wouldn't have been aware of it. So it's like, oh my God, what a gift to show that all of us, all of us are so different than how we maybe seem on the surface. And you said that we're a cluster of things that reminded me of your, your previous film, Out of Blue, yeah. which you, I think tells us we're all stardust. Yeah. That's where I learned that I'm stardust, yeah. actually. Is I that where you learned it from? I, I'm I very proud that of that. Because you're a very clever man, Jason. Know, <laughs> you're a very clever man. Oh, <laughs> and you speak about five languages. It's really annoying. Um, well, I think I'm really fascinated with what it is to be human, what it is to be human. And, and I feel like that, you know, when, actually, when I started my research at The Welcome, I learned that we know more about uh, um, the universe and we do about the mind mm. so if you think the the universe is fairly mysterious or very mysterious to a large extent the mind is even more mysterious so that sense of you know the questions around that like well, how do we all see things and what is it to be socialised and what is it to be mentally ill? And of course there's suffering and Audrey definitely suffered, but some of that suffering can be about the wrong medication or being mm. medicated or not being accepted for who you are. And so I, I did start to think, well, we are all a cluster of things, you know, we're all a cluster, you know, like Stardust, we are all individual, we are all made up of different facets and we'll inhabit the world in different ways. It strikes me that as a filmmaker, you know, I meet a lot of them and I love them but you are many things when you when you're a filmmaker you're not just a filmmaker you're an archivist a story or you you're, you you write characters out of real life you magic them they're ghost stories what do you see your job as I see it as um, I suppose first and foremost once I know like once I know the story I want to tell I feel my duty is in, to the story and to the people in the story and most of all to the characters so, and, and obviously to the audience ultimately but I think if you get characters that are have depth and um, have meaning to them they're going to connect to an audience so the characters will will do that so my duty I feel it's a duty in a way to the story and the characters and as a filmmaker I think if you were to talk about being an author or authorship I think my authorship is all over it because it's, it's my preoccupation so I'm going to give it I'm going to give it all I've got but also it will 
come from a particular place. So it's definitely authored, but I'm not really into directors that impose a look or even say, I've got to shoot on film, because you're like, well, actually, you might not get, you know, the right conditions to do that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, yeah. your films always take me on a, on a ride. They're always <laughs> spiritual, as I said, they're always a journey in themselves and in the making of and in the, and in the viewing of. I've slapped all over the country to watch your film. Like, there was yes. in Galway before, now we're in Green Man. Uh, and it's always a joy to see them. And thank, thank you, you so much for bringing it, typist, artist, pirate king, to Green Man. And also, I'm in uh, Dinard. I've got um, uh, four of my films showing in Dinard. A, a retrospective of your career? Yes, yes. In France, which in is France. quite pop, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It means you're an auteur. Yeah. Uh, look out. <laughs> An, an al alternative author. Oh, yes, you are. Well, you're my favourite alternative yeah, author. Oh, well, there, there might only be one in your eyes. I don't know if I should take that as a comment. I'm Johnny Williams. Uh, I'm here with Hish uh, for the Green Man podcast. And Hish had just come off the stage. Uh, how was it? First of all, you enjoy it? It was good. Yeah, yeah, we got our cowboy hats on. It was a bit, a bit of yee-haw. Um, the hats went down to like, I think the crowd were jealous and someone mentioned that maybe that could be your merch in, <laughs> yeah. in future years. We, um, we've got some new merch at the moment, but we forgot to take it to the merch stand <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. And every time we go to watch a gig, we're going to take the merch this time, yeah, yeah. but we've forgotten. So. There's no point to put it yeah. on a Sunday, really. Like. Sunday, you have to bring it back down, yeah. yeah. That's, not, that's why you're not businessmen. Exactly, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. You should have been on the ball there. Yeah. <laughs> you should have had someone with a table, yeah. T-shirts. Uh, cowboy hats. Yeah, we'll sell some hats next year. I think. You're a Cardiff yeah. band. Are you, yeah. all, are you all Cardiff? Yeah, Jack's originally from Carmarthen. Yeah. Um, he moved to, to school in Cardiff, but yeah, we're all, all from Cardiff otherwise, yeah. So starting from the beginning, where do you go? You know, when you start a band, you, you're, you're a You're three awful piece. for the first five years. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have kind of to be trash for a while. Yeah. yeah. And is Cardiff a, a decent scene to be trash for a while? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're really nice, really <laughs> <Like>, supportive. <laughs> we had like six form gigs, and they were in Club Iverbach, which is like you know the best venues in the yeah, world. Yeah. For, you know, for us. So just bizarre. You know, you play your first sort of gigs in such a good venue is a good yeah. sort of yeah. groundwork, and um, yeah, they've been good to us. <laughs> we <laughs> must have played <laughs> 30, 40 gigs <laughs> then. There's that one in Command that was really good. Kuru, Kuru, yeah. Yeah. Really good. Kuru. Venue, we played in Blaine yeah. as well. Kashbi, that was class. In Blaine of Yeah, it's like a cinema as well, I think. It's like an old police station. Yeah, we went, HMS Morris did a tour, so we went on a couple of dates with them, which is fun. Yeah, play some different menus we used to do. Are you 100% Welsh language songs, or is there any? Yeah, there's a bit of Wenglish in there. A bit of Wenglish, yeah. Yeah. That's only a late edition, really. Yeah. We always have sung in exclusively Welsh, but it's only on the latest album, last first album. Um, that, the that's new, out, the new that's album. That's that, out that a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Weeks yeah. 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 yeah so from the Welsh language point of view, it's a lot of yeah. love and interest and yeah. listening going There's on. There's kind of a few bands that kind of borrow themselves a bit more to a bigger crowd, you know, Antwerp playing last year, they were great, you know. Yeah, yeah it's nice, you know, you don't have to not understand the words really, so yeah. You know, some of the bands played in South by Southwest, you know, in America, if they could play gigs in America, they can play Glastonbury and... Of course, yeah. Because there's, there's so many, there's a lot of Welsh language bands in Glastonbury this year, which is mm, nice yeah. to see. You know, there's no reason why they shouldn't be every year in these big festivals that aren't Welsh language festivals. And I think, like, something like Green Man's a good example of it working, because, like, you put us on, like, today, that went really well, and we were like, you know, there's probably no other Welsh band on that lineup at that bit. Yeah. Like, I remember a few years ago watching happened while here and like I think that was the best show I saw the whole weekend like it was fantastic and like people were really going for it and you think like 
there's no reason why I shouldn't stand shoulder to shoulder with like the best music from like around the world, really. You're, when you're writing a song and you've you got there's your songs recorded, what are you thinking is the next step to get that song out? Where's it going to go? Are you you're gonna thinking about radio? I think we give things very little thought. Yeah, I, I think, think that's kind of like happy for some, yeah. some people, like, Rather than like just session <laughs> musicians, you know. Yeah, yeah as in we're not, I, you wouldn't cause our musicians really, you know, just kind of, <laughs> we want to have a laugh on a weekend, yeah, you know, we and go, go away anyway together, you know, we're all school friends. Yeah, if you weren't enjoying it, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Probably one musician though. But also, people love that, don't they, when they when they have a band who sort of look, sounds like them have a laugh like them, but then they play a cracking tune. That always wins the day. And I was like, looking at your, your last song you played there. Weekend uh, of Forever. You know, that crowd were digging that a lot. Do you know what I mean? And the song, no matter what, is the winner. It doesn't matter if you're mm. all dressed as monkeys or yeah. you're, you're all naked or you know, yeah. whatever your I'm thing is. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then come back for the great tune. Right? Yeah. Uh, so there's some ideas here for next year. <laughs> yeah, like there's a few Welsh bands now in the sort of one million club on spot mm. Spotify, yeah. and unfortunately that sort of does seem. So there's a few musicians that have told me that bookers look at those oh, numbers really? now. Yeah, all, yeah, all these things. Sort of concentration spans. It's, you know, it's yeah. more towards singles now. And you know, if they get yeah. a single on a playlist on Spotify stuff, that's kind of them sorted for. Yeah, I'd rather kind of someone come up to us in the smoking area and say we enjoyed the song rather than having all these streams. You know, it, I don't know what it means. Sometimes yeah. it, you know, it could have. 100,000 streams where they listen to it for 10 seconds, you know, yeah. on a playlist. That, but obviously, it's nice yeah. though. But yeah. that never gets spoken about. Like one it? song that has like two million listens, then the other ones have like 5,000. Yeah. 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 Have you been getting played on uh, Radio Cymru? Yeah, you get good. Um, the boys were on George Ruth's program the other day, and it's such a really, really, really good radio program. You can yeah. listen to that anyway. I think, and, uh, yeah. Bernard Sumner of New Order said that that's his. A favourite radio show to listen to. Oh, really? What? George Ruth. He basically said like 10 o'clock Radio Cymru. Yeah. Something like that. Really? Yeah, I don't know how Maybe he found it, it or whatever. But he, <laughs> changed around it, yeah. he seems to enjoy it, yeah. But you yeah, get a great, you know, a lot of world music sort of yeah. know, mix of everything, really. Like Gorky's had a lot of fans in Japan or something. It's quite yes. funny how it, yes. some bands sort of just like pass yeah. through to like a specific country and yeah very strange it just takes one gig sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. Chris so Gunter's got like a fan club in China what a fantastic Good market them, to break man. into yeah. 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 if you're going to break into a market as a yeah, Welsh yeah. footballer the <laughs> yeah. Chinese market yeah. probably better than the Carnarvon market you know? yeah. <laughs> there might be a pub in Brazil that plays hit music we don't know about yeah, you know? yeah that's we're it. missing out okay so uh, gigs coming up no, no. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, kind yeah. of been going flat out for like yeah. seven years and never really had a breather. And I think just since we put the album out, we're kind of like have a just little time out for a bit, and then yeah, gonna come back again full of beans in the new year. I think uh, yeah. the album is called uh, it's called Sooner Savasara, which, uh, which means noise from the other noise room. From the other room. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, doesn't sound as good in English. No, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I was like type, when we did the Green Man Rising, I was typing out the lyrics in English for the um, the sign language. I was like, oh no, <laughs> that's <laughs> not how they're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, funny, isn't it? Red yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. available on all platforms. Yeah. Yeah, or if you go on Bandcamp, there's some CDs going as well. If you're yeah, into that. digital plus, plus more merch. Plus more merch. If plus you have a terrible merch. car. <laughs> yeah, if you've got a shite old banger like <laughs> yeah. I do, and you've got to get the CDs. Get the CDs in the yeah. car, yeah. and then 
come and watch you next year. And Cassettes coming soon. If you get your business brains on, get those hats. <laughs> yeah. With his yeah. in the front of them. I think some of them might just just sell merch and never play gigs again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, it'll take Our merch is better than the music. <laughs>